All right, Suns fans, we survived. We made it through a fourth quarter, and you know what? We didn't completely look like dog shit. Okay, Matthew, maybe we did a little bit. I know that the Suns have struggled mm-hmm. recently in the fourth quarter on their road trip. They come home tonight. They play the Atlanta Hawks on the first game of a back-to-back, and they also are on the first game of a three-game homestand, and nine yeah. of the next 11 are at home. And for a little bit there, it looked like the Suns were going to fall into the old trap of turn the ball over a lot, take a lot of contested shots, end up taking threes while the Atlanta Hawks couldn't miss. But somehow, some way, the Phoenix Suns survive. They outlast the Hawks, and they are now 32 and 14. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Matthew, say hi to the fans out there. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I was waiting for a little break there. I was thinking, though, actually... I was thinking that there's a little bit of time there in the game where I actually thought they might blow them out. So I was excited to start the pod be like, oh, we finally got the blowout we wanted. But then again, a tough game, a heart attack game, like someone said in the in the comments. I actually got up from my couch and my it was hurting right here. So I thought I did have a heart attack. <laughs> You're so. getting these slow pains in my chest. Yeah. Is that indigestion or is that simply what happens when you watch some too much popcorn, sometimes. too much popcorn tonight? Makes sense. All that butter, man. It's not good for you. It's not good for your cholesterol. It's not good for your heart. <laughs> and sometimes it might feel like the Suns aren't good for your heart. But then they pull out a victory. They they end this game on a 12-5 to run over the Atlanta Hawks and ultimately walk away with a seven-point victory over an undermanned team that you should, again, beat. So, you know, kudos to the Suns for moving to 32-14 and 14 on the season. And kudos to all of you who are joining us live for the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you are listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, go ahead, do us a, f- a little favor there. Subscribe, rate, review. That's where you're going to get all the best Suns content on the podcasting airwaves. Not only the Suns Jam Session, but also Fanning the Flames, who had a new uh, podcasts come out this weekend, so always worth a listen there. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us one of those five-star reviews. We truly appreciate it. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and hit the thumbs up button. Uh, before this podcast began, we started 996 Jamster subscribers, so we're so close to 1,000. Maybe you could be that thousandth subscriber. So if you are, we truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Phoenix Fans app. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. And you can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. Fantastic. So uh, plenty to talk about as we break down everything that happened relative to the Suns and the Hawks game tonight. Matthew, I know it's a Tuesday night. It was like... 82 degrees, but it felt like 95 out there if you were standing in the sun. It almost feels like summer is here, and it's, what, March 20 or 30th today. So tell me, you have a teeth-cracking cold beverage that you're going to be I drinking sure tonight, do. right? I was what do you got? You, dude. What I do you got? I got one of these bad boys, Ooh. same water bottle I've had for two weeks. Look so, at that. Is that All good right. or no? I don't know. Yeah, as long as it's not in your car and the heat is creating yeah. some sort of... That's well, let's one of those, see what like, you got. I've got one of these truly mango lemonades. And what's funny about alcohol? these... Yeah, it's a oh, truly. It <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay. it's like a white claw. Uh, I like Very white claws nice. way better than truly's, but these are still left over from our trip to Sedona in like February. So I've got two left in oh, the fridge. Wow. I'm gonna crack them open here on the pod. So if you're watching along live with us, Jamsters, go ahead, crack them if you got them. We have a victory tonight to celebrate. So pop them, and let's talk about this Suns dub over the Atlanta Hawks.
The Phoenix Suns return home from a four-game road trip that didn't necessarily look very pretty, but ultimately was successful, seen as they went 3-1, and one, and now they are beginning their last great homestand of the season. They have three games, they go out of town for a game, they come back, they go out, but ultimately it's nine out of the next 11, and then that's going to get us to that point of the season where we have 12 of the last 16 at, or on the road, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Matthew, coming into this game, knowing that this was a team that is 500 in the Atlanta Hawks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried were you that the Phoenix Suns would get trade-aid? That we would get what? Repeat that? Trade-aid. You know, trade one, of those, one of those trade, one of those Trey Young games where he just okay. comes in in Fuego. We've seen it happen against the Suns where he'll have a, a couple possessions where he doesn't look very... Uh, in tune with the game, and then all of a sudden he busts off like three or four threes. Were you afraid at any point that Trey Young could be uh, a factor in this game, which ultimately he wasn't? Yeah. No, I, I definitely was. I know EJ was too on the broadcast. Yes, he was waiting for that one me. three to go down, and it did go down, but nothing even happened. I was more worried about the foul situation. I think the Suns did a great job of not staying on his butt too much. I know Jay Crowder did a few times. Uh, Mikhail Bridges did a few times, but they found a way to move around his body whenever he did stop not to pick up those fouls. So that was one thing I was worried about. The second thing was the three, him getting hot, but it was the other guys around him that got hot. So either or, they have shooters. So for that team to get hot and they're streaky shooters, that's another thing to get worried about. I don't. It wasn't too much Trey Young. It was just the other guys with Gallo and Bogdanovich. Those are two guys I am always scared of. They hit some big threes with hands in their faces, and that was what I thought might turn this game around, and it did. <laughs> they got back into this game. But Trey Young himself, someone said in the comments, he did take it easy tonight, I felt like, a little bit on the Suns. Well, I don't know if he necessarily took it easy. I'll, I'll give all the credit that is due to Mikhail Bridges. And like you said, the way that Mikhail Bridges played defense on him tonight didn't allow him to get off in the ways that he typically likes to get off. He's the third uh, overall player in the league relative to th- uh, free throw attempts. And although, and I think it's what, like 8.6 or some number like that. And ultimately, he reached that number. He had nine free throw attempts in this game. But it wasn't, a, you know, it was it was all the shots outside of the free throw attempts that uh, were ineffective for him. He was five for 16 from the field for a total of 19 points. And due to that, he really had to rely on his assist to get his team going. And he did. You know, he had 13 assists. Uh, the the Hawks were really having a, a their way, you know, shooting those three pointers, those daggers, if you will. And if you think about it coming into this game, you know, they're a team that has high hopes and expectations they're the, the you know they finished 20 and 47 last year and it was clearly a disappointment so their gm went out and went to work addressing all those needs in the offseason and you saw a lot of what those needs were addressed in the way that they played tonight you know bogdan bogdanovich a guy who has perennially always been a thorn in the side the side of the phoenix suns uh tony snell Somebody who is, I think he's leading the league right now in three-point percentage. And then obviously the the prize possession, Danilo Gallinari. So between Danilo Gallinari and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I mean, the Suns really had their hands full with those shooters. You know, 22 for Bogdanovich, 13 for Gallinari off of the bench. But holding Trey Young to uh, easily under his season average and only 19 points, uh, kudos to Mikael Bridges, the warden, for the defense he played tonight. Yeah, my fault. I mean, he did a lot to help uh, 
Trey Young have a bad game. So a lot of it is with Mikael Bridges. A lot of those names you're naming off that they add in the offseason, the Atlanta Hawks, they didn't really play well at the beginning of the season. A lot of it looked terrible. Like a lot of signings that were just like, come on, we need some help around Trey Young so that the that this pick over Luka Doncic doesn't look as bad. That's exactly what they did in the offseason. So it's now kind of paying off. Now they're playing well together. John Collins, luckily for us, he did have a thing go wrong with his ankle. So yeah, yeah, he tweaked it. So that actually helped us in the long run. This game, I'm always scared of John Collins when I watch him in other games. He's one of the most confident guys out on the floor. I didn't want to get him going. I didn't want those alley oops to get going. He did have one, Mm -hmm. but he for unfortunately did not return. I mean, the Hawks still hung with the Suns, but if John Collins was there, it would probably have been a closer game through the whole game. I think. Yeah, I mean, he is a talent that. Uh, the Suns have a hard time guarding. Every time we play the Atlanta Hawks, John Collins is somebody who Suns fans start to get jealous because the the way that he scores his points is something that Suns fans are pining for from DeAndre Ayton. They want the high-flying, savage dunks coming off of uh, passes from the point guard, and you know they're like, that's what yeah. DA needs to be. So I'm kind of glad that he didn't play in the second half because if it came down to John Collins – uh, and and you know trying to beat up on the interior. I mean, it was tough. Da was having a hard time defensively in that second quarter, the end of the you know midway through the first, and definitely the second quarter because his hands were full because he's he's down there trying to guard Clint Compella, who's another great offensive threat inside the paint. And if he tries to collapse on anybody coming down the paint, if Trey Young's uh, making a run down the paint, if Kevin Horder's making a run down the paint, if Bogdan mm-hmm. Bogdanovich is making a run down the paint, if he if yeah. DA did any collapsing, they just do the nice little passes to Clint Cabela. And then you throw in John Collins coming in, you know, from the baseline. I mean, it's just, it's a lot to handle down there in the paint. And DeAndre Ayton, as decent as he's been uh, on defense this year, is still a third-year player who needs some support. And the Hawks were kind of taking advantage of that. Now, granted, the Suns were still up, what, 12 at halftime? I mean, because of the rest of those pieces weren't firing on all cylinders as of yet, they still had that comfortable lead. The third quarter comes, all those pieces, although John Collins goes out at halftime, all those pieces started firing. Yeah, and John Collins, too, in the first half, he actually had some mismatches on Mikhail Bridges underneath. So John Collins seems like a smaller guy. He seems maybe like the same size as Mikhail, but he plays really big, like you were saying, in the paint. So he's another guy to watch out for. So he had a few mismatches against Mikhail, and Mikhail could not do anything against him. No. So it looked like a nightmare. I think that was actually after he tweaked his ankle. So it was just like it was some guy that you just did not want on the floor, and he wasn't. But like you said, yeah, in the third quarter, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of ups and downs, but really you have to give it up for the bench, right? I mean, the bench really held it together tonight. They actually came back. And shout out to No Dunks, Trey Kirby. Uh, Dario Sarge is back, dude. This guy yes. finally had his game, and he was super excited in the first half. The wasn't jinx he? is over, baby. Yeah, he, he's back, man. He was celebrating the first half after it made three, so that's good to see. <laughs> yeah, let's give it up to Dario Saric, man. Okay, 18 minutes, 7 for 8 from the field, 20 points, our second overall score, 3 for 3 for from downtown, 5 ugly rebounds, and 2 assists for Dario. And what I like to see in this game is something that we've missed a little bit with Dario is a little bit of that point, Dario. You know, he's taking the ball up the court and initiating that offense for the second team. So it's not just Cameron Payne who's trying to initiate the offense. And when that starts to occur, 
uh, more things start to open up because you can start to set some of the back screens. You can get some of the shooters open. And ultimately, you know, it starts with Dario. And in some of those positions or possessions, it ended with Dario. It was fantastic to see him play in the manner that he did. 13 points in the first half, four for five from the field. I mean, he really helped this team. And it was great to see that. And so everybody who had given up on Dario, uh, <laughs> Well, I don't think everybody. Well, okay. There's maybe some people. Yeah, Matthew probably traded him in some way, shape, or form. (laughs) But you know, I wouldn't go as far to say Dario Sarge is back. You know, with one of his best games, but Dario's back where he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, he's. I was thinking earlier in the game, Torrey Craig was really tearing it up. So I'm like, is this going to be the new leader of our second unit? Because Dario was playing so terrible. So I'm like, we need someone else to lead this team, making smart decisions, uh, doing whatever he wants on the court. That's pretty much Torrey Craig right now, uh, yeah. coming off the bench for the Suns. But Dario took it back. Dario and Torrey playing together off the bench is really fun to watch because they really look for each other. They play on the same side of the, of the court sometimes. One of them might be down low in the block, may pa- pass it back out to like the open guy. But they're always looking for each other. I know Dario had a really nice pass to Torrey Craig underneath, but that's the thing that Craig does. He opens it up for anything, cutting, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding. He can shoot. He had a mid-range jumper today too. So he he does a lot for this offense whenever uh, he comes out with the second unit. So I was like, maybe he's going to take over for Dario Sarge right now, kind of like be the leader. But then Sarge took that back. Sarge was the leader. He took his time, I felt like, right? A lot of these possessions... Sarge was just really taking his time on on the block, on the mismatches, things that Aiton is kind of starting to do. Um, mm-hmm. You see you see that with Sarge, and I love that because he is so versatile when he's down there. Meaning that when he's on that pivot foot, he can <laughs> he can move clockwise any way you want, any position. Counterclockwise down there, missionary yeah, position. <laughs> yeah, any position on that foot, he he can do it and throw it up in there. That's what he was doing. I think he was just taking his time, and he wasn't forcing up some crap shots. He did a few times. But most of the game, he did not. Well, again, he only missed one shot. And yeah, uh, some of them were some crap shots, as typical Dario is. Uh, but Monty, <laughs> Monty says in the chat, he says, can we call him Big Dick Dario tonight? You bet your ass we can call him Big Dick Dario because he was, man. He was swinging his cigarette butt all over the paint. And here's the interesting thing. <laughs> this is <the laughs> it's, it's we're such idiots. Uh, what One thing that's exciting to see is this is the first time since the acquisition of Tory Craig that we had an opportunity to see both Dario and Tory Craig play together mm-hmm. in a game in which Dario played well. And you can see, yeah. as you as you referenced, the way that they can play off of each other is something that is going to really help the Suns team moving forward and hopefully into the playoffs. You know, again, the, the Suns roster is pretty much set. I don't see a lot of buyout market guys who are going to solve the issues for the Suns, you know. I was listening to Burns and Gambo on my drive home uh, yesterday, and Gambo made a great point. He goes, there's no one, you know, th- th- I know that the Suns didn't get Gorgie Jang, and we were talking about him a lot as somebody who we wanted, and they didn't get JaVale McGee, and they didn't get, you know, Andre Drum and LaMarcus Aldridge, all these names that were out there. But what they did get is they did get Tory Craig ahead of time, but the Suns weren't necessarily a a Gorgie Jang away from winning a championship. Like, you know what I mean? So the the roster's pretty much set. Now it's a matter of developing that chemistry, getting those rotations down, and and getting these guys comfortable to playing with each other. And Torrey Cray continues to be a bright beacon of James Jones. It's almost like the Arizona Cardinals have Steve Kime. They call it like a Kime time signing. Somebody who is underrated and then obviously comes through and, and surprises you. 
Torrey Craig has done that tonight, and it was really fun to see him play this evening. Ended with a nice little stat line of 12 points and 8 rebounds on 6 of 11 shooting. Some dunks, some uh, baseline dunks, some putbacks, some huge rebounds, huge offensive rebounds. Uh, he ended the evening with a total of 3 offensive boards. But again, seeing him play next to Dario Saric and them both being successful is going to do nothing but, one, boost their confidence in each other, and two, make that Suns team more versatile because we know that there's shooters on that second unit. You know you have Cam Johnson and Langston Galloway and Cameron Payne, but if now you have some interior presence more than just uh, Dario Sarge, it's going to make it difficult for the second team units of other teams. Yeah, it's just another option. And the best thing about Craig, he doesn't do anything stupid on the floor. He really does what he does best, which is, it's kind of a lot, but they're like little, little things. But he's very, very good around the rim. But the thing he doesn't really do, he did tonight where he took a three, probably when he shouldn't have. Yeah. Kind of shy a little bit too late. But that's fine. Like he can, he, he, know, he learns from his mistakes, right? He knows it was probably just a shot he probably shouldn't have thrown up there, but he threw it up there anyways to see if it would fall on. The shot clock was running low. Things like that, you're not going to see a lot from him where he's going to just make boneheaded plays, cause offensive fouls like, you know, Nader does. And a lot of people are talking about maybe he's taking over the, the Nader minutes. He might, but I, th I think when Nader is healthy, he'll be back out there to play. And I, I just think that Craig does a fantastic job offensively and defensively. You just the last game he had some really great blocks we didn't see any today but he had two fantastic yes. blocks where he just comes out of nowhere and he'll just take the ball away from the guy basically like he is that close to the ball that's how long he is and it's just it's something like you said another option to have on the off the bench it's just like our our offense on the first unit right now there's just so many options especially when you get Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton involved right absolutely i mean again the more layered options you have on offense, the better, obviously, opportunities you have to score the ball uh, with those second team units. And that's, you know, essentially what occurred in this game. If you were to just kind of explain this to somebody standing by the water cooler, socially distanced with a mask on at work tomorrow, you would say, OK, well, the Suns came out and played very well in the first quarter. They played very well in the second quarter. Uh, their second team unit was better than the second team unit for the Hawks. Uh, and this is this is extrapolating right here because you probably want to th throw this into your buddy at the water cooler, you know. But the Hawks are the twenty eighth; they have the twenty eighth team, uh, or they have the twenty eighth bench in the league. They score like thirty points a game, so it makes sense that the Suns' second team unit, which we've talked about, is clearly a strength for this team, played better than that team, and that's the reason you're up by twelve at halftime. You know, you're up sixty four mm -hmm. to fifty two at halftime because of that reason. What happened in the second half is almost the exact opposite. Yeah, the the starters for the Suns became a little stagnant, but still played well. But the bench really started to ignite for those Atlanta Hawks in that second half, and that's what got them back in the game. Danilo Gallinari had zero points at halftime. He ended with 13. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Solomon Hill had two points. He ended with 10. Uh, Werter, only, uh, he had eight points and ended with 12. So he's the one guy who really kind of didn't fire off in the second half. You know, But they're a team that averages 30 points uh from their bench and they ended with what 13 15 17 27 29 41 if my math's correct and the suns ended with 42 so they're a team that played up to us and ultimately got them back in the game and what happened in this game the suns closed the suns after everything was said and done ended up closing this game and probably not in the manner that they thought that they would if if you know what i'm saying i think i know what you mean you know what i'm saying watch 2021 whether the Suns like it or not, they got to get D.A. the ball. And I'm almost at the point where I don't know if the Suns like it sometimes. 
another one of those fun bright side of the sun pieces that I'm working on. Uh, so again, you can always read what Matthew and I write on bright side of the sun. One of the pieces I'm working on is my frustrations with DeAndre Ayton. And everybody talks about their frustrations with DeAndre Ayton. It's all the same. It's he's not aggressive enough. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's too finesse. He doesn't, you know, when you throw him the ball, he doesn't, he has Alex Lenz hands, if you will. He doesn't roll hard enough. He doesn't set hard enough screens. My problem with DeAndre Ayton and my frustration is the Suns don't get him the ball enough. And you look in this game and it is a prime example of how DeAndre Ayton started the game and then pretty much disappeared. And part of that's defenses gaming against him. But part of it, I almost feel is like Chris Paul being stubborn. Okay. So DeAndre starts this game, seven points uh, on three of five shooting in the first half. And that's actually the first quarter. That's the first six minutes of the game. He comes out, he had seven points of the first 21 points. He had seven and uh, Jay Crowder had nine. Okay. So that right there, 16 of the first 21 came from those two. He doesn't score again until late in the game, and it's not because it's not designed plays. It's him getting huge rebounds and putbacks that ultimately sparked the run that the, that ended the the night for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, when you put it that way, it's like if you ask DA, he's probably like, "Oh, I was happy to get those rebounds and stuff, whatever I can do to help the team." But it is it is frustrating. There's sometimes during the game where you're seeing him try to get the ball on the block. And I, I mentioned this a few, I think it was like three or four podcasts before where Chris Paul was seriously holding the ball and telling DA, no move right there. And I'll throw you the ball. He did that like two possessions in a row. So there's two things that it's either Chris Paul and the rest of the Suns don't trust him. can't get him the ball. And then you saw a possession tonight where Crowder was actually trying to get DA the ball and he threw him the ball and it was just batted out of bounds. That is DA not going for the ball, not getting to a position to where Crowder can give him the ball or the rest of the Suns team can. Like, he'll go on the block and, like, he'll be like, oh, come on, I'm wide open. But the guy behind you can just swat the ball away. So yes. he has to put himself still in better position. I think that's something he has to learn. But there are times when, of course, he's running the pick and roll with Chris Paul where he is open. And it's just like, give him the ball. You know, when we know you're a great jump ball shooter, <laughs> jump ball shooter, jump shooter, just feed him the ball, give him the ball. And it is, it is frustrating, but you have to realize too, it's a lot of it's both sides. And like I was listening to Bill Simmons today and I, Ryan Russell talks about it too, where he's watching him and he sees it too, to where he doesn't seem like the Suns trust him with the ball. Yes. But then you, you saw it tonight. You saw it at the end of the game. You gave him the ball. He had a nice jump hook. So these are the times where I talked about last podcast, you got to get him and Mikhail Bridges, the ball to end the game, to see how they do. And they did fantastic, man. They, they just need the reps. All right. If you're not going to trust them, I understand it, I guess, but just try to force feed them, try to get these wins underneath their belt to where they feel great about themselves going into the next game. That's yeah. And, and I, I don't understand why they don't at least try because again, you were seeing some of those empty possessions at the end of this game. The Suns are up mm -hmm. by two points, one Oh five to one Oh three. And ultimately they, they turn the ball over. It's Chris Paul bouncing the ball off of his leg again. And he was kind of looking towards DA, but again, one of those careless mistakes Yeah. Uh, as part of that light, that those clutch time runs, Devin Booker ends up taking uh, a three ball where again, you know, he hasn't really been, uh, great at shooting the three as of late or just kind of period ever. It feels like uh, two for seven tonight for Devin Booker. But what happens is De DeAndre Ayton ultimately gets a, a jump hook over Clint Capella. And Muhammad says in the chat, he says, man, Ayton's hook shot on Capella was orgasmic. And it really was because it was one of those kind of like late shot clock. I got to get this up. And it just looks so beautiful. And you're like, okay, this is why they need to try to get him the ball. And you're right. 
on some of those positioning, those entry passes, we're not going to see DeAndre Ayton in late game situations turn into Shaquille O'Neal, where they're getting it to him on the block and he's backing guys down. You know, that's not one who he is and two how the Suns run their offense. But what they do the whole game is they do a really good job of at least setting that high screen and roll to where DeAndre Ayton's either setting the pick or he's slipping on the pick and trying to get himself open. And I feel like it's almost stubbornness I, if it feels like from Chris Paul in not getting DA the ball because he'll do one of those slip screens and all Chris Paul has to do is throw a bounce in there. And if he gets a bounce, he's going to catch it and in one motion, go up and get fouled or do something. And, you know, I, as I watch these plays, and I know this is such an unfair statement, so please don't take this out of context, but Steve Nash would make DeAndre Ayton a fucking all-star because he would get him the ball in every possible situation. There you know at the end of the game, Chris Paul has a high screen and roll with DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton goes, sets a screen, rolls and clearly is open cuz they're purposely doubling him. And it wasn't a double initially to where he couldn't get a pass off. He dribbled away from the screen into the corner had to call the timeout. Now luckily for the Suns, as you mentioned, you know, get Bridges the ball in those clutch time situations, get Ayton the ball is what I'm saying. The the play call by Monty was fantastic coming out of that timeout where Mikael Bridges did a fake handoff, you know, spun to his yeah, left yeah. and went and dunked it. I mean, how fantastic was that play? Oh, it's great. I mean, he, Mikael Bridges is one of those guys you have to look out for because what we, what we have been seeing is Devin Booker and Chris Paul are having a hard time scoring at the end of games. To yes. end games. So yes. you have to get these guys involved. So that's what we saw. And you were talking about Aiden getting to the rim and getting the foul called. He had it and one. He had that nice layup from Jay Crowder who hit him on it. Like it was one screen with Jay Crowder and he just threw a bounce pass right to him. He went up and I love DA's layups because what they remind me of is like in second grade when they teach you how to lay up with both hands, you know, next to the rim. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah, he, that's what he, I mean, it's efficient. I don't care yeah, how it, it looks. goes in. He gets it in there, but it took that play really to see DA. It, he can get fouled. He'll get fouled all the time if he's rolling to the rim. As long as he goes hard, they're going to foul him. And he got a couple of those tonight, so it's nice to see. But um, yeah, it looks like we hit a thousand subscribers too. So hey, we had a thousand. Hey. Thank you, Jamsters. Thank you. Yes. I'm glad you enjoy hanging out with us after Suns games, win, lose, or draw. And all those ties <laughs> have been really tough for us to do those podcasts. So uh, that's fantastic. I'll drink to that. Cool, me too. Uh, oh God. Truly's are not as good as White Claws. I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you what, I prefer a nice oh. IPA, but this is all I got. The wife has got this in there. Yeah, they're truly not good. Um, <laughs> isn't it funny how Jay Crowder is the guy who does the best passes to DA? I mean, he had two in the last couple of games of those nice little bounce touch passes that are like right there for DA. He's like, oh shit, I can just put this yeah. in real quick, you know? But again, no, I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's just another one of those things that adds a layer to this offense that makes it successful. Um, but if you look at Aiden's overall stat line on the evening, he ended with a total of 13 points, 14 rebounds for DA. And he had some pretty aggressive ones. Uh, two assists, one steal, uh, five freight from the field. And, you know, again, that's where that article that I'm writing for Brightside is really going to focus on that. His lack of field goal attempts and his lacks, lack of touches in the fourth quarter is really kind of the two statistics that I'm going to kind of go. I get it. The Suns offense works and is efficient because of the way it's designed. The 0.5 second philosophy that Monty Williams has is something that coincides with James Jones understanding of ball movement and how that makes it successful because he was on that Miami heat team that lost to the San Antonio Spurs in 2014, who had a front row seat to watching that kind of basketball be successful. That team wasn't uh, overpowering. They couldn't beat you with size. They really couldn't beat you with athleticism at that point, man and Ginobili and, and uh, to uh, Tony Parker were at the back end of their careers, but they beat you with their smarts. 
And that's what this team has developed. And that's what James Jones has built is a team similar to that 2013, 2014 NBA championship winning uh, San Antonio Spurs team. Uh, but part of that is, you know, as this offense is built out, I know that DeAndre is probably not going to get 18 shots a game like he did over the last two years. But you got to give him more opportunities in the at the end of the game because I mean he got he got opportunities tonight based off of necessity, not off, based off of design, and he proved to be successful. And it makes me happy to see that because again, that third year player needs to continue to build his confidence. So although he's not going to be my nomination for Jam Star of the Game later in the podcast, I just want to give a tip of my cap to Da because he really uh, hit a couple big shots at the end of this game that ultimately helped the Suns pull away. Yeah, and if he's getting those shots, and we mentioned it before, if he's getting those shots over Clint Capella, he can shoot over anybody. And I've always said, yes, too, sir. no matter who is guarding DA, he can get a shot over anybody. And just like Mikael Bridges, he can get his shot over anybody in that painted area. So we need to see more of that because, honestly, I love DA, but his effort this the in the beginning of the game was really good against Capella underneath the rim. Because mm-hmm. before, like, there was a few games where DA would just put his hands on people, but he was putting his body into them, trying to make a difference underneath there, and he had a lot of team rebounding. So, yeah, I mean, if, he get, if he's giving you that effort, for rebounding and trying to get the ball to get things going on offensive end, feed the big man. Yes, he's hungry. Feed him. Feed him. And he'll smile and give a high five because he's just so adorable. Just he's happy. not he's yeah. not he's just a happy dude, you know. He's just happy to yeah. be playing. <laughs> uh, let's talk a, let's talk a little bit about our buddy Devin Booker, okay? 21 mm-hmm. points on 19 shots, a very Trey Young-esque stat line if you will. He went 8 for 19 from the field. Two for seven from the uh, three-point line, had three rebounds, three assists, a couple turnovers. And again, you know, in clutch time, we really need Devin Booker to step up. And again, I, he's really having a challenge. He's not the Devin Booker of last year. No, he's not. Even in the beginning of the year, I feel like he was really clutch. Uh, it's It's been kind of weird. A lot of it maybe just on the offensive end with his shooting, but a lot of it too, I think is he's not really sharing the ball as much, not doing the playmaking that I expected him to be this year. Like he he had it in the beginning of the season, not as much early on. Of course he wasn't playing well at all, but a month in he started, you know, spreading the ball, doing what he does best, getting the mid range to go down lately. It's like, he's really focusing on his three. And I don't know how many times I'll sit on the couch and I'm watching and I'm like, Book, how do you not make that three? Like he's wide open on a fast break. I mean, and it could he, be any and situation. And hits the front of the rim. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of miserable to watch. It's like stick to what you're best at, man. Like you know, he can score thirty if he wants, but he's just not doing it the way that he was before. It's just his shot selection is a little off. Um, I just I don't know what else it is. It, it's basically that's all it is. He's not getting to the rim as much, but he he honestly isn't getting a lot of foul calls. That's always frustrating to him. So maybe that's just like he's just like, why would I even go to the rim if I'm not going to get any foul calls? Why would I do that? It's just a waste of energy. So maybe he's just shooting a three for that reason. But it's something he needs to get back to, man. Is that mid range game? True. Yeah, we're seeing a lot less of the middies from Devin Booker, and if they are middies, they're like mid to lates. You know, I mean, he's shooting them out way past near the three point line. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to uh, just knock down that shot, get that shot down uh, with some consistency because he's really having a hard time this year hitting it. And, you know, you, you look at his three point shooting over the past, let's just go three seasons. Okay. So this season entering this game, he's shooting 35%. And then last year he shot 35.4%. And the year before that it was 32%. So you know, that's kind of where he is. He's a 35% three-point shooter. So I guess we shouldn't necessarily be uh, shocked with the fact that he is missing that many threes. 
but I, I, what really I'm finding a little tough this year is just how in the clutch he's no longer the Devin Booker who we had last year. Because you know, if you if you go back to last year, you have to remember he was pretty darn decent in in the in the clutch. You know, from a field goal percentage standpoint, he was he shot forty percent last or forty. I think it was forty two percent if I remember correctly, uh, and he was like 25th in the league relative to points in the clutch. He ended with, let's see, where are you at there, D-Book? I got it. Chris Paul was had 3.8, and he was number 15 in the league. Uh, that's where he stands this season. So he's somebody who's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, but you look at Devin Booker last year. Let's see. I had it right in front of me, and then I lost it. 23rd in the league. He had, th- he had three points per game in the clutch. For that was 23rd best in the league and shot 42% last year or yeah, last year. Okay. This year he's completely gone the other way. He is shooting uh 27.5% and is 40th in the league with 2.6 points. So Devin Booker in games that are determined by five points or more, or, or yeah, five points or more with five minutes left is shooting 27.5%. Man, that's mm-hmm. That's not good, especially when you no. think that this is a guy who generally, you know, shoots very well the majority of the game. He just he's a ghost in the end of the games, man. He is, but I'm not going to be like, "What's up, Booker?" Like, come on, we need your help. Because honestly, like tonight, they got to open it up for other guys. If there's a lot of pressure off of his shoulders and Chris Paul going towards the end of the games, because there should be right, there should be just those other options that we have on the court, which we have. Even Jay Crowder. He's almost just as good as uh, Kelly Oubre is last year shooting the three-pointer in clutch situations. He's hit two or three this year that have been very, very clutch. So that starting lineup that we have, you have to get Mikel Bridges and DeAndre more involved. That way it's not just isolation, let me get the last shot, or let me try to hit the shot to get us up four to get a little cushion because it's just not working right now. You got to just run the offense, man. The isolation stuff isn't looking that great, but if it is, dish it out to another guy. Dish it out to Mikhail. He'll take it to the rim. He's learned so well that that is just where his money is at. Yeah, is buddy. in the paint. He keeps learning and learning and learning. It's like every game, it's like one less shot from three. He just keeps taking it inside. He is automatic. He had one like from 18 feet too. That was just so solid. He was wide open, drained it. He just, he's another guy you need to focus on. Otherwise, we're going to keep focusing on Booker and Chris Paul. And it's going to get really, really tense. And when playoff comes, playoff time comes, these guys, it's just going to be a battle. And we're going, we're probably going to be talking about this a lot more, of course, going into the playoffs with Booker and Chris Paul taking those last shots. It's like, come on, just spread it around. So I hope it's not that. I hope they actually realize, hey, we have other players on this team that can score in the clutch situations. Well, and that's how we ended up winning this game because it was the other players exactly. who, ended, who ended up doing it. Uh, Long John Silver 85 in the chat says, ISO ball in the fourth is what allows other teams to come back. And this is an important thing that I want to focus on here. Okay. That's an absolutely true statement. Everything that I've been talking about and been writing out, writing about on bright side references this right here. You know, the fact that Booker ball, ISO ball, the, you know, the hero ball, all those things are not going to be beneficial for a team that likes to move the ball. And is that's when they're at their most effective is putting you in mismatches because they move the ball around so much. But here's the key part of that statement that long John silver 85 says that I want to bring up. (laughs) He says is what allows other teams to come back. The difference between this Suns team and Suns teams in the past and Devin Booker last year and Devin Booker this year is Devin Booker this year is trying to learn how to play with the lead in late in games. It's not Devin Booker down five late in a game. It's Devin Booker up five late in a game. And that's the difference. 
And that's something we have to understand that this team is trying to learn and trying to navigate. It's something that we're not used to seeing. You know, there's how many times were we up big in games last year and we lost them because other teams came back on us versus how many times we were down big in games and that, and that Suns team had the ability to come back and make it close. We might not have ultimately won the game, but we were very good pushing it. We're on the other side of that coin right now, Matthew. Mm. We are, and if you're asking me for, I don't know, <laughs> but I, four. you know, you know, I don't really think about that too much. I think we probably talked about that in the beginning of the year. It's like we have these leads. It's just how do you keep them? Now it's just there's something between the only thing I can think of, like in tonight's situation, is the bench was playing so good, and that we still had the bench in against their first team unit, the mm-hmm. Hawks. But I don't yep. think it mattered because their bench was still going up. So. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky, but it's like, when do you bring in the starters? This is like 650 left to go in the fourth, and we still didn't have the starters in. So maybe things like that, but then you still got to play the hot hand. So it's just so, it's a sketchy area really for Monty Williams when he needs to bring those guys back in, when he needs to take the other guys out, when you have the bench playing so well. And it's been a couple games since they played well, especially Dario Saric. Saric. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I watch really closely. I really do. And I try to pay attention. I'm like, how are they losing this lead? And it's like the Hawks just made some really great shots. Yes. They were shooting the three and they That's had hands in their face and they just drilled them. They nailed them. They did what the Hornets did. It was yes. the same way the Hornets came back. They were just making these nasty looking threes. So yes. I don't know. Well, I, think then, too much I mean, about it, maybe. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, you had that one great play where DeAndre Ayton put the ball back, puts the Suns up by, I think, three or, or four points. And Bogdanovich comes down and has Booker in his face. It's a fallaway three and just nets yeah. it. I mean, sometimes the opposition does just does that. Okay, so the the Hawks went four for thirteen in the first half from three point land. Okay, the mm-hmm. second half they ended up going nine for whatever thirty two minus thirteen is thirty two minus thirteen. They went nine for nineteen in the second half. Okay, so in the first half they shot thirty percent from deep. And in the second half, they shot, math says, 47% from deep. 47. You know, and a lot of those were contested. There were some wide open ones, but I mean, that's just, that's basketball. And Eddie Johnson talks about it all the time yeah. in the 24 second shot clock era with, you know, so many teams after, uh, you know, being down and the affinity for the three ball, they're going to come back. Look at that final score that's on the bottom of the screen right now. Suns 117, Hawks 110. You know, Again, I guess this is the crux of being a Suns fan. We tend to go over all these things that didn't necessarily go wrong or didn't necessarily go right for this team instead of focusing on on you know the things that did go right. And a lot of things did go right tonight. You know, we had a per- fantastic performance from Dario Saric and Tory Craig, which we mentioned. Uh, Devin Booker didn't have the greatest end of the game, but he you know he puts up points when he does. Mikael Bridges, uh, as always, just looked absolutely fantastic on offense and defense. And Jay Crowder, a guy who went 0 for 9 from the field, 0 for 9 from downtown against the Hornets, those darn horny Hornets, scores 19 points on 5 for 8 from downtown, uh, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block. I mean, he stuffed that stat sheet tonight, man. How about Jay Crowder? Yeah, you know what got him in rhythm too are those free throws, man. Yes, I, I was actually scared. I was like, hopefully he did not hurt himself. But those free throws on that three got him in row, and he had a six point play, dude. He hit the three free yeah. throws. They got the ball back on like two offensive rebounds. They hit another three, so it was just a great start from him. He's well deserved, and it's one of those things where I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, so Jay Crowder, we've always wanted him to be in the starting lineup. Like we love yes. him in that lineup. Now you got Tory Craig playing really well. 
Dario Sarge will always be a bench guy, but it's like if Tory Craig starts to play even better, maybe he has a 20 point game or something crazy. Don't put him in the starting lineup, please. Like no. I can I can deal with the Jay Crowder 0 for 9 games because we have so many other options. Just yes. like when Chris Paul tonight took the night off. Well, he didn't take the night off, but yeah. stats wise, stats wise, he didn't do much. All right. <laughs> I hate to say he took the night off because he was on 12 the floor. points, eight assists, three rebounds, five for ten from the field, over two from downtown. Exactly. Like that's not really that's not Chris Paul, but still it's like these guys can do that because we have so many other options on this team where other guys step up. So it's usually whenever a guy doesn't step up, that's when we lose a game. But tonight we had too many guys step up, I feel like, <laughs> in these situations. But, uh, but again, that's the advantage of a team is you're deep and, and you have those yeah. abilities to continually provide pressure situations on the opposition. And it was an uphill battle for those Hawks tonight. You know, if we, if we were a Hawks podcast, we'd be sitting here and talking about well, Trey Young disappeared tonight, even though he went for 19 and 14 or 13 or whatever the heck he did. You know, yeah. he, he didn't look as effective as he normally does. John Collins going out, obviously hurt the Hawks bid big time. And that Phoenix team is just, they keep punching you in the face. And you hit those threes, you hit amazing threes, and the Suns still have the lead. You know, they the the Hawks went up by two points, I think. I think it was 107. What was it? 105, 105. Did they ever take the lead? I don't know if they ever took the lead. No, it was tied. Yeah, it was 105, 105. And and the Suns end on a 12 to 5 run against that team. So I mean, all that energy that they had, they had to utilize. It was uh it was a moot point because the Suns could just outlast you because to your point, there's so many options and that's what makes this team, you know, fun to watch and deadly. And, you know, again, come playoff time, you don't know who those heroes are going to be. That's what made that. That was the exciting thing for me in this game is I knew once we entered those clutch time minutes, I was like, okay, here we go. Are we going to do all Booker uh, ISO? Or are we going to do a bunch of non screen and rolls with Chris Paul and Dev or, and uh, DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> Or are they going to adjust from that? And, you know, the first couple of possessions, it was exactly that. And I think that's when I tweeted out. I'm like, okay, I've seen this movie before. You know, it's the Suns using up the majority of the shot clock, hoping that the they can take a shot and, and kind of shrink the game, if you will. They're going to take five minutes and they want to minimize the total number of possessions because that's the way the Phoenix Suns play. They're a pace team that likes it really nice and slow. But ultimately, they're getting bad shots. It's a bad three by Booker. It's a... Uh, you know, a, a timeout by Chris Paul, he bounces off his his ankle. But then you saw the other members of the team go, oh, hey, by the way, guys, like we're here too. And we're very, very good, you know? Very, very good. And it it's those pick and rolls late in game. And I, I think Kevin Ray was like, oh, look like Chris Paul is trying to find DA. I'm like, no, he wasn't. I'm no, so no. sick of this. I was getting so upset. It's like, are you watching like, the same not, game I am? He's not trying to find uh, DeAndre and who goes to hide behind the trees. I don't even know what's going on with that play. Why even do a pick and roll? Just fucking just shoot it from half court. Yeah, why the why, why the freak not? You know, <laughs> why so why the freak not? Uh, a couple other things I wanted <laughs> to bring up on this uh, again. Kudos to the bench. You know, it's it's funny because you have the Charlotte game, and that's what you're kind of going off of. And it was a weird game. It was an after. It was a morning game in Arizona, and you yeah. Know, the bench scored 21 points. The Suns had 25 points by halftime, ended with 42 in the game. They had a total of uh, 17 assists, their lowest amount for the season. They had 19 assists at halftime, ended with 27 on 45 made shots. And that's what allowed the Atlanta Hawks team kind of back in is that stagnation on offense. The Suns were up by 16 points at one point. But when you start to get stagnant on offense, you start to see less of those assists. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it kind of let them back in, but ultimately they win the game. Uh, the turnovers is what another thing that kept them in the game. They had 14 turnovers and gave up 21 points to the Hawks on those turnovers, whereas the, the Hawks had seven turnovers and only gave up five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Okay, I was actually going to talk about Chris Paul driven off his leg really quick. Let's talk so about it. When you, when you see that stuff, does it make you okay? So it's like he does that, and it, it it's upsetting to watch. But it's like ah, it's just one play. But he does that sometimes in clutch situations. And then like a DA turns the ball over, like he did tonight, an inbound pass. It's like it's the last dude. Booker gets so upset. Oh, I know. It's like, of course, DA knows he turned it over. So, like, what's what's the problem here? Like, why are you yelling on Adam and stuff? I don't know. I feel like it's just like Chris Paul and Devin Booker can get away with that stuff, maybe because they're of better. Of course, well, they're, they're, they're they're your max guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, so somebody mentioned guess, it earlier yeah. in the chat, and you know, I apologize because I didn't call it out right when I saw it, but somebody said, um, "Hey, DA needs to be a little bit more vocal." And I agree with that, especially late in the games. Like, DA needs to start yelling at these guys. Like, dude, I'm fucking open, dude. Like, I'm rolling. I'm open. Hit me with the pass, you know? Yeah, someone's head. <laughs> Bob, Chris Paul, come here, you know? Like, put him <laughs> back down. But that's what happens when you're a, you know, a, what, 14-time All-Star, a future Hall of Famer, you know? Yeah. You can get away with some of those errors, and nobody's going to yell at you because, you know, you're the top dog. You're making $44 million a year, bro. You know, whereas DA is making like nine, you know, he's not going to sit there and be like, hey, man, like, don't dribble that off of your leg. You know, there's so yeah. much respect and admiration for CP3 that he can essentially imagine if there's Ricky Rubio doing that, man. Everyone would have been up on his jock on that one, you know. Yeah. So but I think that he could be DeAndre and could be more vocal in those situations and something that, you know, I hope that at part of the coaching and counseling and the coaxing of his uh, character that Chris Paul is doing with DeAndre Ayton, he he's got to tell him like, hey, man. Get vocal with me. If I'm open, yell at me, dude. And and that, that'd be nice to see because, again, I, you don't see it. You just don't yeah. see it. Yeah, and he'd be open to it. He'd be like, yeah, just yell at me. Like It's not going to hurt his feelings. I think that's what DA is scared of, and we know that. I mean, he's he's scared of hurting people's feelings, so he'll get yeah. over that. He's just a nice guy. Yeah. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters who are watching along in the chat. First and foremost, thank you for 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. If you are listening, go ahead and hit that, hit that thumbs up button. And if you haven't subscribed, come on. do All the kid cool kids are doing it. Go ahead and subscri- yeah. subscribe. Why not? And while you're in the chat, go ahead and let us know who your jam star of the game is for the Suns 117 to 110 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. Matthew, I shall lead off on this go one. Go ahead. Um, you know who it is. Oh, but do I? But do I? I do. I'm going to give this one to the cigarette man himself. <laughs> yes. Big butt Dario. Welcome back. 20 points off the bench. Only missed one shot. Every one of his shots was pretty much ugly. I kid. I kid. His three-point stroke just looked a little bit more confident tonight. He was yeah. playing with that with that reckless abandon, throwing his big butt around in the lane, trying to move people off of their spots. And it was nice to see him come back and have a bounce back game after about four or five games, essentially since Torrey Craig was brought to the team. He has not had a positive game, so it was fantastic to see him. Matthew, what do you think? I mean, I couldn't ask for anything else tonight. I just wanted to see Dario get his touch back. Switching to those positions underneath the rim is just something fantastic to watch. He can do anything on one foot. I love it. He's a freaking ballerina down there, dude. (laughs) With the ball, isn't he? Ballerina. Yeah, smoking a cigarette ballerina, but he, 
the, he had that one three was a catch and shoot. Shot clock yes. was running down. Quick release. Did yeah. you see that one? That, that was the first net. time. That was the first time I've seen him do a quick release three. Because normally yeah. it's just like, hey man, here uh, uh. I go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He got exactly. it up there real quick. It was great to I see. I want to see more of that, dude. That looked nice. Maybe it's like some Langston Galloway play. stuff. It was. It was almost as quick as that. But uh, yeah, he's deserved it tonight, man. He really held it together for us. I mean, he he put up those big points whenever we needed it. Him and uh, Tory Craig, you know, they grabbed some big boards. They did what they needed to do, and uh, he led the bench today. I love seeing Dario lead that bench. So I'm glad Dario is back. Yes. All right. Dario's back and looking in the chat. Joe since since 80 says it's the jam star. It definitely goes to him. Uh, Khalid says big booty Dario or Jay gets it super close. And I agree. It is super close. Uh, but yeah. coach Evan B host of the Valley podcast. So check them out on YouTube. Fantastic sons material and content there. He gives it to Dario as well. We have Alex Kroll. Kroll has Dario. Uh, Idle Tuts, Super Dario, Super Dario for Fabio, Super Dario for Net Nibble. I mean, ar around it, uh, you know, Blaze Megatron, perfect intro scene as Jam Star has got to be Super Dario. So, I mean, it's, it's Mario Lopez, another loyal listener. A lot of people are giving it to Dario. Khalid says Jay or Dario gets a tough choice. And I agree. I mean, Crowder, mm -hmm. uh, two guys had big bounce back games in this and combined for a total of 39 points. And that's Jay Crowder and Dario Sarge. So you have to. Give it up for them. Um, Frank Kaminsky for Cove, Cove Hoop. Now, Perfect. Is, is, is he, he still on the team? Yeah, I think he has COVID. Is that right? In I chat, let me know. I think they said you're yeah. not going to see him for a while because he's in COVID protocols. Uh, Felix gives it to Jay going down the line. Uh, Crowder Sarge for Long John Silver. Um, Dario. So a lot of love. A lot of love for uh, Dario Sarge tonight. So well done. Welcome back, Dario Sarge. We truly uh, yeah. are honored to have you in our presence. And... The fact that you can score in that manner is huge. And if you look at the Suns' overall lineup, okay, I'm just going to go right down it. 19 it. for Jay, 10 for Mikhail, 13 for DA, 12 for Paul, 21 for Booker, 20 for Daros Arch, 12 for Craig. And the other 10 points were Cam Johnson had six, and kudos to Cam Johnson. His three-pointer looked a little bit better tonight. And then Campaign Two had row. four. So um, that's how you win games, man. You had, what, seven players in double digits, dude. That's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it. And Cam Johnson, he'll be back. He'll be back to get into the rim. He's just a little flustered right now trying to get his shot back. And once and he's he gets coming back going, from COVID protocol, man. Yeah, I mean, it's so, going to take a while to get his legs under him, and he's a shooter. Exactly, man. And he, he has an excuse. Like, he can just shoot it. He doesn't have to do much more than that right now. Absolutely. Guess what? So the guess what segment in which we try to guess things about the upcoming matchup. We'll review what we talked about in the last one, the primary matchup. We talked about Mikael Bridges and Trey Young. Who would have a better uh, game? I give it to Mikael Bridges, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, even 10 points. I don't care, dude. Mikael is just, he's just killing it, man. I love this guy so much. I do too. It's just every game I, I love him more. I love him. Yeah, every game. Like he's, he's my son. He can score two points. I don't even care. <laughs> well, that's the beautiful thing about him, man. You know, I mean, he because he impacts the game in so many different ways. Uh, how many three-point attempts will Trey Young attempt? Uh, I don't know if we actually put a number on that one, but he ended Two? this game with a total of four three-point attempts, attempts, which is uh, very low for him. Um, yeah, and then we Good asked, and then we asked each other, you know, who's going to win this game, the Suns or the Hawks? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I said Suns. You said Suns. I, I know like, I did. Did you, did you guess I was, the Heat last game? 
Did you not last game, but the last no. game for the Heat? The, the last two games, I've really thought about going against you because I thought Dude, there were a I couple trap know. games. Maybe the Jamsters can tell us. No, if I trust me, if I right. if I would remember because everyone calls me out every time I don't call the Suns, but that puts our records. I'm 18 and 12, so now I'm okay. legal, and now you're 21 not and nine, so now you can legally drink. Yes, yeah, so, I can so start drinking with. I uh, still, Twats, I okay. still can't catch you. Well, up next. We have the Chicago Bulls tomorrow night. So Jamsters will be live right here after the game again tomorrow night. Uh, and once again, uh, back-to-back, we're playing the Bulls. And now they've got Nikolo, Nikola Ivusevic, the guy, the guy who went for 27-14 and 14 against us last Wednesday and then got mm-hmm. traded, is now a member of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, what are you looking for in this game, Matthew? All right. Um, well, it looks like Levine might not play tomorrow night. Of course, that always happens to the Suns. There's always one guy. I don't know. But um, so looking forward to guy. tomorrow. One main guy. This is like, I'm not going to play against the Suns. It sucks. I want to see the whole team. But yeah, the Bulls, they they get a little excited. They got Vucevic, right? I mean, yes. Levine, he's not played too well. It's been, I think, two games or 0-2 right now with Vucevic in the lineup. So he right. needs to settle down, get that team back together because they're on the four-game losing streak. So hopefully they don't put it together against the Suns. Hopefully Levine, I guess, does sit out. I'd like to see him in the game because I, wa- I like watching Levine. I want to see them at full strength. So, But um, I'm going to say Suns win this one for sure, and hopefully the Bulls just don't get it together, dude. They might. Well, they might well we, we, we shall see. I mean, they're they're 19 and 26 and 10th in the Eastern Conference right now. And as you mentioned, they're 0-2 with Vucevic. And since the All-Star, great, uh, the All-Star game, they're what three and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're like three and eight since the all-star break. So they're a team that's trending in the wrong direction. If you look at their losses, they're getting beat bad. I mean, they lost last night to the Golden State Warriors by 14. They lost to the San Antonio mm-hmm. Spurs by 16. I mean, they're they're getting their butts mm-hmm. kicked. So this is a team that I get it, it's a back-to-back. Uh, they definitely have talent because every team in the NBA does. But it's a team that the Suns ultimately should beat. And I'm predicting that. I really think that, you know, you look at this stretch of the schedule that the Suns are embarking on, and this is a vital stretch because we're playing the Bulls tomorrow. We have OKC, another kind of cellar dweller. And then we have like the, we go to Houston for the lowly Rockets. So these next three games, the Suns could yeah. win all three. That puts them at 35 and 14 going into two tough games, a game at home against the Utah Jazz and a game the next night on the road at the Los Angeles Clippers. And then you get some reprieve after that in the schedule. But those are the two games I think every Suns fan is really starting to circle. It's like we have an ESPN game one night against the Jazz, and then the next night we're on TNT against the Clippers, and that's what the national audience is going to see. So what you want the Suns to do over these next three games over against the Bulls, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the uh, Houston Rockets is to buckle down, work out the kinks that they've been working out, and continue to win ball games. Matthew, yes, that all sounds great, above? John. Let's do all of that. Okay, I like that. We shall do all of those things as we prepare for the bull game, Bulls game tomorrow. Uh, over under twenty seven points for Vucevic. What do you think? Ooh, let's go under. We got Da playing some good defense tomorrow night. <laughs> I like that too. I like that too. I'm going to go under as well. I think that he had one of those games uh, when he played because he scored 27 for the Magic when we played him last week. And I think that that was kind of his farewell to Orlando, knowing that he's probably going to get traded the next day. I think everybody on the team's like, listen, we're going to put everything we can. And they only won by one point. I mean, that's the one thing to remember about the Suns. All of our game, all of our losses, like eight of our 14 losses are against bad teams and none of them have been blowouts. In fact, I pulled up statistics, uh, 
if you look at our margin of victory, okay, the Suns in games that are determined by five points or, or less are six and ten on this season. So we're a team that's not really necessarily used to playing in close games, if you will. And yeah. if you and you know, clutch time now we are what thirteen and eleven, I think is what it is. Um, but knowing that. The, the close games are something we need to work on. And tonight was one of those close games. And that makes me happy. You know, as, as, you, as you wrap a bow on this podcast, as we take a look at the Atlanta Hawks one last time and get ready to move forward into the Chicago Bulls, the Suns were tied, come down the stretch, and pulled away on a 12-5 run to end the game. I, that's absolutely something that I love to see. And again, it, it's growth. And this team is going to continue to have to learn different ways to win games against good competition, against bad competition. You're, you know, all that matters is what ends up in that win column. And we're 32 and 14. Like, we're 18 games above 500. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I man, mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's awesome. And you want them to have these learning experiences, right? I mean, a lot of times if you watch the NFL, if anybody's here a football fan, you know, a lot of, of teams, when you go into the playoffs, they always say these teams need to be in close game situations to figure things out. I don't know if that's really an NBA thing as much, but it really is right now this year because that's what I'm going to hang my hat on and say that the Suns need to really figure out is their late game situation. So the more they're in these situations, they can figure this stuff out. And the more that I talk about them getting Mikel Bridges and Aiden involved, it happens tonight. It'll happen again. And that is just something I am looking forward to seeing in the rest of the year. Yeah, and you know that the playoffs are coming up closer than you know I think we we expect, and you know as you look games, at twenty six games, right? Twenty six games to go. Um, and real yeah. quick, it looks like the Los Angeles Clippers actually lost tonight to the, the Magic? Orlando Magic. Wow, that's actually nice. impressive. Uh, so that puts the Suns now a game and a half up on the Clippers. We're thirty two and fourteen. They're thirty two and seventeen, and we're still three games behind the Utah Jazz because they just don't stop fucking. That's fine. Winning they didn't man. Have the first three, yeah, I, I really care. don't care, man. I, I really don't really don't care, care either. Tough, so that's all I care about. Yeah, man, I'm with you right there. So uh, I think that's going to wrap this up on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. I didn't miss any drops or segments. I guess we did no, officially did ask job. it, but Matthew, who wins Suns or yeah. Bulls tomorrow? We oh, both say Suns. Okay, Suns. just just verifying that. Yeah. Uh, going through, doesn't look like we really missed anything, so fantastic. Uh, again, thank you to getting us to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yes, thank you. That is freaking awesome you know we we've been doing this podcast only on youtube since november we've, we've been doing this podcast now for uh, a year and four or five months and it's just it's so much fun to interact with all the different Suns fans and have these conversations and we're just glad that you folks are along uh, on the ride with us so thank you for that yeah i don't know why you guys watch us i have no idea why you watch me with my al-qaeda flag in the back but i i just i have a great time looking forward to this every night and i was gonna say it seems like a while since our last pod right i know it was like in the morning or at noon on sunday but it seems like it's been forever so i'll tell you this every night man i tell you man it's uh it's crazy busy at work and yeah that felt like five days ago i was looking so looking forward to this tonight You know, like I'm, I'm crazy busy at work and I'm like, you know what? No matter what uh, my G, my general manager asked me this day, he goes, Hey John, how are you doing? Cause he just knows I'm like, I'm running all over the place. I'm like super Dario. I'm throwing my big butt around the property, just trying to get stuff done. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, my, my GM goes, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good, man. Sun's play tonight. And I got a podcast afterwards, man. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. He's just like that John Voida, He's a weird 
dude. So <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that what we look forward to, but I guess, I guess. But uh, on that note, again, thank you for joining us. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. We're looking for those five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We don't have any new reviews to read on the show, so we won't read them. But if you want to be have yours read on the show, go ahead and subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts. If you want to email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com with any mailbag questions, we will bring those up on the pod. We don't mention that nearly as much as we used to. And here's a reminder. You will have a question. You want me and Matthew to answer? Throw it out there. That gives us a little, uh, gives us a little time to research the answer too. You know, uh, sometimes there's some pretty in-depth questions that the Jam has come up with, so we appreciate that. Uh, you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Phoenix Fans app. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm at Blissey. And on that note, Jamsters, have a fantastic evening. We're going to see you right here tomorrow on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Yeah, unless I have a migraine, but everyone go home and love your family. Oh, please don't have a migraine, Matthew. We don't need that. Okay, good. <laughs>